If you've been feeling the pinch of planning meals, especially with summer in full swing, trust me, I get it. The pressure of making nutritious meals that your little ones will actually eat and doing it all while managing a packed schedule, it can be overwhelming to say the least. That's why today we're diving into five practical strategies to simplify your summer meals. It's my hope that this episode will help you take the stress out of constantly deciding what to make for the kids so that there's a sense of predictability to your kitchen and sanity in your schedule as well. By the end of this episode, you'll be armed with the actionable tips you need to make meal planning less of a chore and so much easier. If that's what you need more of in your life today, you're in the right place. Let's simplify things together. I'm Erin Christopoulos, a mother of two and teacher-turned-mom strategist who puts the pieces of mom life together so you don't have to. I get that you're short on time and don't have the capacity to figure out everything on your own, which is why I'm here, to help you get clear on where to put your focus while protecting your time and energy so you can actually enjoy these years with your little ones. I'm ditching the overwhelming and unrealistic one-size-fits-all tactics and replacing them with an approach that's practical and personal because I believe your family is one of a kind with its own qualities and values that deserve an adaptable approach, offering support and encouragement where you need it most. From honest conversations and mindset shifts to practical tips and sustainable strategies, consider this your customizable guide to mom life. With the tools and resources you need at your fingertips, you'll finally have the confidence and clarity you need to bring more intention and ease to everyday life so that you and your family thrive. This is the Mom Life Handbook. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with meal planning lately, especially now that summer's here and the kids are home all day, believe me, you're not alone. As busy moms, we juggle a million things every day, and sometimes it feels like meal planning and preparation can become a full-time job all on its own. You're trying to make sure everyone's fed, it's nutritious, if it's your budget, and hey, wouldn't it be great if they actually enjoyed it too? So today, we're going to take a big, deep breath and tackle this together. We're going to simplify summer meals in a way that aligns with your family's needs and your lifestyle. We'll look at how to understand your child's nutritional needs, not in a way that's rigid or restrictive, but that gives you the flexibility and peace of mind you need. We'll discuss how to choose nutrient-rich seasonal ingredients that'll satisfy your little ones, and even how to make one meal that the whole family can enjoy. Yes, even if you've got selective eaters on your hands. Plus, I'll share with you some practical tips to encourage your children's independence in the kitchen, which not only helps you, but also empowers them. You'll leave this episode with a renewed sense of control and peace around meal planning. So let's dive in and simplify our summer meals together. So our first strategy for today really focuses on letting go of so much of the parental pressure that is on us when it comes to what we feed our kids. And I don't think that those expectations are always explicit. I think that a lot of times they are implied and with social media always showing us the highlights of everyone's lives, it's really easy to create this idea in our heads that we're supposed to be creating 
meals for our families that are quite honestly unrealistic. You know what I mean? I'm talking about all organic, fresh, homemade, never ultra processed. You know, I think that that is such great aspiration and I appreciate the inspiration, but I also want to start off today with a very simple strategy of really calming your frame of mind in terms of, am I doing enough as a parent when I'm feeding my kids? Are they getting what they need? Am I doing enough for them? And that's to know your child's nutritional needs. I recently started working with a dietitian for supporting Stella's growth and development. When I sat down with the dietitian, I started, you know, sharing everything that I've been making at home and, you know, really talking about, you know, I really prioritize protein at each meal and I'm trying to make sure that things are balanced. And it was so eye-opening to hear from her that actually I was probably worrying way more about things like protein than I really needed to. Now, again, I am not a nutrition and you should inform your own nutritional decisions about your children in alignment with guidelines from, say, the CDC or your pediatrician or even maybe a dietitian or a feeding specialist could provide to you. But in general, she said, Stella only needs three to five ounces of protein a day. And when you think about that, that's about the size of one adult's palm of their hand. If I'm dividing that up over three meals and two snacks in a day, I don't have to worry too much that she's not getting enough protein. She's definitely getting enough protein in the day. So I thought that that was so eye-opening and it also helped me to just stress a little bit less about, you know, oh my gosh, did they eat enough at each meal? Really, my kids are doing just fine. So I thought I would share what Mayo Clinic's recommendations are for kids who are my kids' ages, which are six and eight. And then I'm going to link to that in the show notes in case you would find that helpful as well. I am also confident that if you reach out to your pediatrician, they will be able to give you the document that they recommend that you follow. So for my kids, like I said, it's three to five ounces of protein a day. So it's about the size of your palm, one to two cups of fruit a day. So a cup is about a size of your fist. So one or two of those a day, two cups of veggies every day, again, two fistfuls across the entire day, four to six ounces of grains. Again, that's just about the size of your palm. And then up to two and a half cups of dairy, or as my pediatrician told me for, say, Theo, should be about four servings of dairy a day. Now, obviously, there are a range of opinions on whether you should be feeding dairy to your kids or not, and I'm not here to say whether you should or shouldn't. I have one child who's allergic to milk, so I'm not necessarily saying that what you should or shouldn't feed your child. Same goes with You know, when we're talking about protein, we're not talking about necessarily meat. I know that there are plenty of people in my life whose children are vegetarian or vegan. And I think that there are ways you can work with your child's medical team to ensure that your child's getting what they need. So I recommend you reach out to your child's pediatrician and just ask, you know, how much of these types of foods should my child be getting at this point in their development, at this age, at the stage that they're at? And they'll be able to help you really understand what your child's needs are. And again, I think you're going to be surprised that they actually don't need as much as you'd expect. I think we're used to looking at it through the lens of what a grown-up needs. And really, a child's developing body is so different. So just know that starting with this 
baseline strategy of really understanding what your child's nutritional needs are will really help you probably relieve a lot of the pressure that you're feeling because chances are you're already really hitting those minimum marks on a day-to-day basis for your child that overall you can have the peace of mind that their development will be appropriately and adequately supported. I think it also helps give you this peace of mind that, you know, even if your child doesn't hit these marks every day, usually it's going to balance out over a week. I even find too, anecdotally speaking, that my kids tend to have this kind of ebb and flow with how they're with their eating patterns. So I notice, especially around growth spurts, that there tends to be, you know, my kids are eating a lot and they're sleeping really well. And then they kind of have this growth spurt and then it kind of goes to like, all right, they don't need as much sleep. They don't need to eat as much. I think that in general, if you just have this sense of what your kids need, you can really just let go of a lot of the stress that's kind of hanging over your head. And I think that in turn, that helps you simplify your meals because you have this peace of mind, like, I at least, you know, I know my child is getting what they need. And I think that that's our biggest worry of all. So having that information in the back of your head is going to calm a lot of those worries. Strategy number two, then, is now that you know what your child needs on a day-to-day basis, I want you to start planning your meals around seasonal ingredients that are also nutrient-dense. This strategy has been a game changer in simplifying meals in my own house, as well as then promoting healthy eating habits. So by choosing meals that are focused on seasonal ingredients, I have the peace of mind that they're accessible. They're usually more cost-effective. They're often fresher, tastier. I can even find them locally oftentimes. So I find that by focusing on seasonal ingredients, you're not only going to be saving some money, but you're also going to have the convenience of not having to go to three different stores to find what you need. And then also, it's going to taste really good. So your kids are going to be more likely to actually eat what you've bought. You're also going to find that when your kids eat those foods, they're going to be feeling satisfied longer. This is going to help curb that constant snacking that I feel like happens especially in the summertime. When your kids are home all day and there's not as much structure and sometimes boredom even sets in, you may find that your kids gravitate toward this like pattern of grazing all day long, where if you can consolidate a lot of their intake with some really nutrient-dense, high-quality foods as opposed to ultra-processed foods, they're going to be fuller longer. And you know that they're getting all the vitamins and the minerals and all those micronutrients that they need as well to help support their growing, developing bodies. So if you compare what your kiddo might be getting if, you know, I'm trying to think of Stella's favorite lunch right now, is chicken breast, white rice, lima beans, a fruit, and then maybe granola bites for a treat. If I compare that with one of her other favorite meals, a hot dog on a white bun, potato chips and some Oreos, she is going to be so much hungrier, so much faster after she eats that hot dog meal as compared to the more balanced meal that's nutrient dense. Now, are there times where she has the hot dog meal? Absolutely. Because sometimes I don't have the capacity to cook up chicken breasts or Maybe it's that I'm just short on time and I need something that's quick or she's really hungry and I need to get her food fast. 
But if you want to really come up with a plan that's going to be consistent and simplifying things, you're going to find that you aren't going to be having the day-long battles over snacking and whether your child's actually hungry and if you got to go back to the kitchen to make them some more food. If you can start with some solid structures for your core meals each and every day. And what I love about this too is this approach of using seasonal nutrient-dense ingredients for the bulk of your meals for your family is that it's creating sustainable healthy eating habits that are going to carry your child through the course of their lifetime, which I feel like I always like to look in the moment, but I always like to think about the long-term gains as well. And I really feel like showing your kids what it means to make balanced choices with our food is really important. So really setting a tone through meals that are focused on these seasonal whole food ingredients is really important. If you would like some ideas for foods that you can offer to your kids for lunch and for breakfast and lunch this summer, I want you to grab my free summer meals guide. I've shared a week's worth of ideas of breakfast, lunches, and snacks that my kids love so they're kid approved and that I tap into on a regular basis. So if you'd like a copy of that, I put it together for you. It's totally free. Just go to momlifehandbook.com slash summer menu and you can download that for free. It's also linked in the show notes. Also, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Just say, hey, send me the summer menu and I'll get that set up for you. Now, the third strategy to help simplify this, because it can be a lot to be trying to prepare meals at home for your kids, is to create a rotation of meals. Now, I tend to do this for breakfast and lunch. I do not do it so much for dinners, largely because I like to change up my dinners and usually I'm having something different for breakfast and lunch than my kids are. So my favorite strategy is to come up with a menu of options that I really like, that I know my kids will probably like pretty well also, and rotate through those offerings. So some big popular things that are on like our breakfast rotation are oatmeal, whole grain toast and eggs, or for Stella, she likes vegan egg from chickpea yogurt parfaits. And I usually plan about two weeks worth of breakfast, and then we just rotate through them through the whole summer. And that really makes it easy for me because I know what to expect. I know what I need to order for the groceries every week. And this predictability is something that my kids really like too. They like knowing when they're going to have, you know, whole grain waffles. Like they look forward to that day, right? They actually look forward to oatmeal day too. So you start to see that you can introduce a variety of different types of foods across the days, but you can always come back to them. And I think that that's helpful for our kids to be able to become familiar with certain foods, to have that repeated exposure, which we'll talk about in a moment. But kids thrive on a sense of structure. And that even comes with knowing like, all right, well, what am I going to be eating for my breakfast? You know, I know my kids, if they've been in a pattern of eating the same thing over and over again, and then I switch it up on them, like, oh man, why do I have to have this? And it's not even that they don't like the food. It's just that it was a change, right? So I don't like my kids getting too stuck on one thing because then they're not eating a variety of foods, which is really important. But I find that if I can even just rotate the same things over the course of a couple of weeks, 
it kind of creates a good rhythm for all of us. Now, I did share with you more information about how I set up this rotation and how I've set this up for our household in a quick mini training that's included with that free summer menu that I shared about earlier. So if you do want to grab that and learn more about how I do menu rotations, you can just go to momlifehandbook.com slash summer menu to download that for free or go ahead and click the link in the show notes. It's there waiting for you. Are you feeling like you can never quite get everything done in a day? Me too, mama. That's why I created a free downloadable guide full of practical strategies to help you get the most out of your day. Five Productivity Secrets for Busy Moms is the practical guide you need to finally start getting the most out of your day without compromising on time with your family. Head to momlifehandbook.com slash productivity guide and download your free copy today. Now, our fourth strategy is to make one meal for the whole family to enjoy, regardless of their taste preferences. Now, I don't know about you, but I have found it is very easy to quickly become a short order cook. Even just navigating Stella's food allergies and some of my own sensitivities, I already have to make some adaptations usually to one core meal that I'm making. But then if I start customizing what goes on the side or, you know, if I'm worried that someone doesn't like the main entree, I might have a tendency to like make something different for them so that they're eating. But when I go back to strategy one and I know what it is that my kids need each day and I already have kind of accounted for what they're going to have for breakfast, lunch and snacks, I have a lot of peace of mind around knowing that it's okay if I offer something in this one meal at the end of the day, are going to be other things offered on the dinner table that they will like, that they can eat. And it allows for me to save so much time, effort, planning, ingredients, and therefore money by creating just one meal for the whole family to enjoy at dinner time. I think this is also a great opportunity for our more selective eaters to have a chance to see, oh, the whole family is trying this. Oh, someone likes to add ketchup to theirs. Or, hmm, this person's mixing the entree with their vegetables. Oh, I, maybe I'll try it with some rice. You know, they, they observe and see how other people are eating the foods that they're not quite so sure about. And I, I think that it's also really important to remember that there's a lot of research out there that shows that Our kids need repeated exposures to foods before they really are clear on whether they do or do not prefer a certain food. We're talking 10 to 15 exposures before they know this, sometimes upwards of 20 to 25. So I think it's really important that we are sturdy as parents and we can have the confidence that our kid may not like what we serve tonight. That's okay. I know that it's my job to offer it to them because they haven't had enough exposure to this food yet. I'm not going to shy away from it just because they say they don't like it. And it's their job to decide if they're going to eat it tonight or not. Something that's been really helpful in our house is to have an exploring plate or a no thank you bowl to kind of create this culture around, hmm, I'm not sure about how I feel about this food. I'm going to put it on an exploring plate. Maybe after I eat some of my preferred foods, I'll come back and check it out. Or a no thank you bowl could be something along the lines of, I don't want it, but then practicing what's a respectful way of practicing saying that as opposed to, oh, that's gross, I don't want it, right? It's just, no thank you, not tonight. 
And, you know, I've taken on this mindset that it's my job to offer the foods to my kids. It's their job to decide whether they're going to eat it or not. And it's helped minimize a lot of the battling, um, kind of that tug of war power struggle at dinner time. With my peace of mind that my kids have had what they needed throughout the day or that they're going to make it up on another meal, you know, maybe we do a bedtime snack. I don't have to worry if my kids don't love the meal that I've served. And I also have the confidence that it's important and my job to offer my kids a variety of foods, even ones that they believe they don't like yet. So just know that it is okay to serve your family one meal. And that goes for all the meals, but I especially do it at dinner time just because by the end of the day, you're exhausted, you're tired, you don't have a whole lot of energy to do extra cooking and drag out your cooking time. Um, which only makes dinner later, which means everyone's just more hangry, which makes it harder for them to be in a mood to try new things and explore new foods. And then also your kitchen is more of a mess, which means more time for you to clean up, which might delay bedtime. There's so many reasons why this strategy is important. So make that one meal for your family and let the rest go. Lastly, I want you to reorganize your kitchen to help foster independence. It's really important that your kids understand that they have an, a role in your home and a great way for them to contribute is at mealtime. So I want you to think about ways you could maybe just restructure or reorganize your kitchen so that it's setting your kids up to be successfully independent. You know, maybe it's time for your child to start learning how to pick their own snacks. Put the foods that you're comfortable with them snacking on, you know, in the morning or the afternoon within their reach. In our cabinets, we have pull-out pantry drawers. All the candies, the sweets, the treats are at the top shelf. Now the kids know that, right? But I prefer them to be kind of more out of sight, out of mind, so that when they open the doors, they're not faced with, you know, am I going to have cookies right now versus should I pick applesauce? You know, instead, they are looking at all the choices that would be appropriate for them to pick. And then two, you know, where in the fridge or on the counter can you put all the clean fruits and veggies that they can easily grab? You know, if you have those things out of their reach, it's going to be really hard for them to gravitate towards those choices. And then also, I want you to think about how you could put dishes, napkins, placemats within the kids' reach. So, I have always had the kids plates, bowls, utensils, cups at the very bottom drawer in our cabinets so that they can help themselves, help set the table. It's so important that they have autonomy and that they can be a part of this process as a family. So I can't encourage that enough. And then also when it's time to clean up, if you're nervous about your kids helping with, you know, clearing the table, I know that was something for a while where I didn't want my kids walking around, you know, plates that could break or, you know, silverware sliding off or worrying about, you know, leftover food ending up on the floor. What you could do is just have a big tray. That could be where they put their dirty dishes or cups and let them stack that up. And then you can help carry that over to the sink and start cleaning things off. But if you feel like your kids are old enough that they could handle that themselves, have them clear their plates to take them over to the sink rinse them off, load them in the dishwasher even, you're going to find that they're really proud of being able to help take care of things themselves. And then also it's going to save you extra hassle and stress. So make sure that you reorganize your kitchen to foster that independence. And with these five tips in mind, I hope that you found today's discussion about simplifying summer meals as useful and refreshing as I did. 
We dived into understanding your child's nutritional needs as a flexible and stress-free way to have confidence that you're planning meals that support their needs. We talked about picking out nutrient-dense seasonal ingredients that'll satisfy even the pickiest of eaters and created a rotation plan that brings ease and predictability to your meals. Plus, we explored strategies to make one meal that your whole family can enjoy and ways to foster your child's independence in the kitchen. Remember, your goal isn't to be a perfect mom who makes gourmet meals every night. You're a real mom with real kids, a real schedule, and a real life that's happening all around you. Your aim is to simplify your approach, reduce the stress, and yes, enjoy the process. Because feeding our families is one of the many ways that we express love for them. If you would like support in figuring out how you can simplify summer meals even more in your household, be sure to grab that free summer menu guide. You can find it at momlifehandbook.com slash summer menu. Take the steps that we discussed today and that you'll find in that free guide and mold them to fit your family and your lifestyle because you know your family best. By doing this, you're not only simplifying your meal planning for the summer, but you're also setting yourself and your family up for a healthier, happier, and more balanced lifestyle. And if you found any of these strategies really helpful to you, will you please let me know? Head to the show on your podcast platform and leave a review. Just simply say which strategy you found most helpful in this episode. I love having that feedback and knowing what's meaningful to you. It helps me create more episodes like this that are going to feel supportive to you. So please take the 30 seconds, drop a one sentence review. What strategy did you love the most today? And as we wrap up this week's episode, remember, mom life is complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Here's to leading with purpose and intention as you simplify mom life in the week ahead. You've just finished another episode of the Mom Life Handbook podcast. Remember to check out the episode description for all the important links and highlights from today's show. While you're there, tap the subscribe button so that new episodes are always at your fingertips. Before you go, I'd really appreciate hearing your thoughts about the show. It takes as little as 30 seconds to leave a review and your honest thoughts help me create a better show and help other moms discover it too. And if this episode really helped you out, go ahead and hit the share button to text it to a friend or share it on social media. You never know who in your life might benefit from a little extra support. Don't forget, there are lots of ways to stay connected beyond the podcast. Head over to momlifehandbook.com for additional resources or to learn about how to work with me. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at momlifehandbook. Send me a DM to say hey or to share your thoughts on today's episode. Connecting with you personally is what I really love most. And just in case you need to hear it today, you're doing an incredible job. I know it doesn't always feel like it, but you're here learning how to be better and do better. Keep working to bring more intention and ease into your life and know that I'm right here cheering you on. You're creating a beautiful journey for you and your family. I am so proud of you.